Welcome to Educationally Sound, a podcast where we talk about educational practice in the Australian setting. My name is Amy Cotton and I'm your host for this episode. Today our guest is Margaret Hogan. She's joining us from Sydney. Hi Margaret. Hello, how are you Amy? I'm well, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Well, Margaret, you've had a long and varied career in education. Would you mind giving us a bit of a rundown of that? Sure. Um, my first year out was 1977 and uh, and I've been working continuously since then. I had a little break uh, when I had babies, um, but I started out in the state system and then moved over to the Catholic system. Uh, I've been a teacher, a, uh, a coordinator one, a coordinator two, a religious education coordinator, um, I have been um, assistant principal of a small school, assistant principal of a big school, principal of a small school, principal of a bigger school and principal of an even bigger school. And then I had a year in the office um, assisting the regional director to, um, to collaboratively formulate a new strategic plan for the system. And uh, since then, for the last, I'd say, 18 months, I have been, uh, I suppose you'd say, semi-retired. Uh, so I do projects here and there in all kinds of um, varied um, venues and in different roles. So uh, I'm still working, but I'm taking a little bit easy now because, as I said, 77 was my first year. I think I deserve a bit of a rest. <laughs> Well, you've certainly been an active contributor all the way through. I know you've done some volunteer work on top of all of that, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yes, I've um, been very interested in uh, in refugees and the plight of asylum seekers. So I have done um, connecting. There's a place called the House of Welcome in Sydney, and uh, I I connected them with Sydney Catholic Schools. Uh, a lot of the asylum seekers, they're not refugees yet, they're still asylum seekers, they have no income and no support. And they found that quite a few of the women were excellent cooks and chefs and uh, could provide meals. So um, one of the things we've done is connect some of those women with a school and they will come and demonstrate cooking and then of course talk about their journey to children or to groups of parents or whatever. So, I've, you know, I've done sort of a few things like that since since my semi-retirement. It's a fantastic array of things. It sounds like you've held almost every position possible in a school on the way through. As I well. have, I think. <laughs> it's fantastic. So which what have you done that's made you proud, Margaret? Um, I think, Amy, that every position in, in education, uh, you have the opportunity to make a difference to students, to make a difference to communities um, in whatever role you're in. So I suppose people from the outside will look at it and think, well, that was a big thing that she did or, you know, she had a little role in that. But um, I think if you approach it that everything you do every role you have, every task you have, you have the ability and the opportunity to make a difference, to make things better, maybe to challenge things. So I don't know if there's one thing that I could say that makes me proud. Um, 
I think I have thoroughly enjoyed the variety that I've had and uh, I think that's helped me to be a very flexible person and a flexible thinker um, and uh, I suppose just for my own personal development my career in education has been um, very uh, eye-opening and uh, helped me to um, maybe crystallise my values about things. So um, I, I think if I was to say I was proud of something, it's just being in education my whole career and giving it my all. Yeah, it sounds like uh, each experience you've had has um, offered you a different type of richness that you've taken on to the next experience as you went. Yes, that would be true. Yes, yes. That's a good way to put it. What's one thing you're working on right now to improve education generally? Um, I, I have a couple of roles at the moment. One that I really enjoy is we have a process in um, the Catholic system in Sydney called Inquiry and Review. And um, it's a team, you go into a school, they give you all their documentation, they talk about um, how they're going, what the challenges are. And your role in that team is to sort of shape that into a document and to help them help the school formulate their strategic plan for the next few years. I really enjoy that work and uh, and it's such an honour and a privilege to be able to go into someone's school or uh, you know a school community and, and they tell you everything. They're, they're honest, they're open, they say look we've done this but we need to go there and really the role of the team, schools have already identified what they need to do, the role of the team is to affirm and then perhaps put some language around where they're going and where they're headed so that, that's something I really do enjoy. Um, the other part of that, and I, I, I may even enjoy this a little bit more, um, is that um, I've been approached and I have the opportunity to coach and mentor um, other leaders um, and uh, again, what a privilege that is. Um, I don't give advice um, because the way I would have handled a situation or a school community would be different to how someone else would. But um, I listen, I give people that I'm working with tools to sort of self-reflect. Um, I do a lot of reading about coaching um, and uh, uh, that is something I really enjoy. And I've done it for a couple of people and now I'm sort of doing it for more and more people and in a wider, not just in Sydney. So, um, you know, it's uh, there is a need out there for people to have a critical friend um, and someone who maybe isn't emotionally involved or someone who you don't have a history with um, who can just, I suppose, tell it like it is, but of course kindly, um, but also to give people um, you know um, some strategies some tools some mindsets that they can help them in what can be a difficult job but certainly a very rewarding job so yeah those two things going into the schools and then doing the coaching and mentoring of other leaders it's um something I often wor worry about is uh, we're reaching a, a demographic situation in education where we're starting to lose uh, people to retirement. Lose is probably the wrong term, <laughs> but um, people yes. are transitioning into retirement and we're losing the brains trust of a great generation of educators. Um, so I really like that you're stepping into the role of working with people and so you, you're continuing in the role of education, but you're helping a younger generation with their practice. I really love that. 
Yes, and and um, I, I just love this generation that's coming up too. Um, you know, uh, I, I suppose um, in some ways I don't have the energy anymore to be working, you know, those 12-hour days and all that, plus I have an elderly mother that I, you know, care for. Um, but I, I just love the energy of the and, and, and the enthusiasm of the gener generation coming up. Um, I worry that they'll be burnt out unless they pace themselves. Um, so that is part of my role too, you know. Um, it's a cliche to talk about work-life balance because you never have it. <laughs> uh, but just to be mindful of um, your own well-being. I think in leadership roles you care so much for other people's well-being. Um, and you're not going to be a good leader if you are not looking after yourself as well. So I see that as an important part of my role. And to balance your ambition with where you are in life. I think that is a really important um, strategy that sometimes some gung-ho people who are really ambitious, I think they they need to be reminded of, well, what is possible at this stage of your life? Whether you've got young children, whether you've got, um, you know, responsibilities to a spouse, you know, whether you're, you know, um, all that kind of thing. So, and I think that is something um, that I have been very conscious of my whole career. As I started out as a single woman with no responsibilities and here I am now and I have, you know, um, young adult children and, uh, elderly mother and elderly mother-in-law and, and that kind of thing. So adjust your ambitions and your expectations of yourself to your life circumstances, I suppose. Yeah, the um, a lot of people have a very um, ideal goal that they'd like to work towards, but um, when they don't find themselves reaching that role, executing that, that goal, um, they, they are unhappy, whereas if they just thought about what they are actually achieving right now and drew the happiness yes. from that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to do things incrementally. Um, I, as I said, I had all those roles and they built on each other. Um, so, uh, you know, they weren't, um, I suppose, you know, you don't leap from being uh, an early career teacher into a, an assistant principal that kind of thing, you know. Um, you need to have that background and all those experiences. So I, I suppose I did it incrementally and, um, uh, you know, I suppose that's one of my suggestions to people when they're, when they're looking at their career and let things unfold and be open. You know, we can have a plan but sometimes things come out of the blue and you have to take that opportunity rather than say, well, but my plan was this, you know. Um, I know at least one of my roles, I was asked to take on a role um, and um, I thought, gee, that's a challenge. And it was actually one of my favourite schools. In the Looking back, it was one of my favourite schools. So I would never have got there had I not been open to taking an opportunity when it came along. Wonderful. Um, I think we've probably... This series of podcasts, we're actually looking at the challenges that people have faced as being a woman in leadership and education. Uh, vaguely, the statistics still stand after all these years that 70% of the teaching workforce are women and yet at best about 36% of women reach leadership roles in education. So there's a very inverse ratio. Mm -hmm that's happening there. So um, 
in this podcast, we're trying to explore um, women who have expressed leaderships in different leadership in different ways. Um, what are some of the challenges you've come across in your path, Margaret? Well, there certainly are challenges, as there are for all women still. Uh, we still have a long way to go in the um, in the employment world, I believe. Um, I think, uh, for example, I've said that I have taken steps incrementally. Um, sometimes women, I think, look at males and they t seem to take giant leaps into positions and you think, oh, how did that happen? Why did that happen? Um, and I do believe often it is because they are male. Um, but I think you can't let that get to you. I think, uh, I think you need to just think about yourself and not be looking at the males saying, well, they're getting this and they're getting moving ahead and that kind of thing. I think uh, you have to be courageous. Um, I, I like to say that I'm, um, I'm never rude, but I am assertive. Uh, I tell it like it is. I'm very, um, no one has to guess what I'm thinking. If someone asks my opinion, uh, I, I will give it to them. Um, and that includes uh, the people, my, my, for want of a better word, superiors, whether they're male or not. I agree with you that I, I have been into meetings with, um, you know, the leaders of the system and they all seem to be males. And yet, as you say, 70% of the workforce in, in education, especially in primary education, particularly in primary education, are females. Um, and funnily enough, things, things might happen in a meeting. For example, um, I remember one meeting and I was the only female there and someone said, oh, we need some water. Can we get some water? And everybody looked at me <laughs> as if, well, oh, I'm, the, I'm the water lady, I'm the tea lady. And I just said, yes, we do. And that was all I said. And then one of the males got up and, I don't know, called down the corridor or something and said, oh, can we get some water in here? Um, those kind of things, and I, and not that I, I wanted to be hard nosed. I, if someone wants a drink of water, of course I'll get them a drink of water. But what what message is that giving me? I can leave this meeting, this very important meeting where we're talking high level things, to get water for all the males. Well, you know, I'm not going to do that. Um, and yeah, uh, nobody of, said anything just... to me. Um, but it was just one of those moments when I thought, why me? You know, so yeah. I think being yeah. courageous um, is, is a, and I don't say in that instance I was courageous, I'm just saying be aware, be aware of when that's happening to you because as women we're so conditioned to things, sometimes we're not even aware it's happening to us. One of the things that struck me is when women, the, you get the look, go get the water um, and sometimes we do it without thinking, hang on, why should I get the water, we're all equal here. But the other part yes. is that we, as soon as you step out to get that water, I, I bet most women wouldn't call down the corridor and say, hey, someone get us some water. They would go look for the jug, they'd look for the glasses, they'd wash the glasses, they'd bring the glasses in um, and you've lost 15 minutes of that conversation. That is exactly right. And the funny thing about that meeting was, it was, I was the visitor, like it was in the head office. Most of the males around that table actually had their offices there, so they would have known where everything was. I was just, I was an invited guest to this meeting, even though I'd been in the head office many, many times. But I just found that fascinating. Um, and, uh, and, and that, look, don't get me wrong, they were good people. I, I don't think males are even aware of how those kind of things happen. So I think it's up to women 
to be aware and to challenge that. Um, and, and as I said, do so politely. Um, and, uh, but, you know, you're, you're getting a message across too. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's sort of, that's just an example of a challenge. But you see what I mean, I hope. Um, yeah, no, because it's those little things um, which nobody means maliciously, I'm pretty certain these days. And nobody's sure trying to put you in a place. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. They're, they're not aware of it. It's just a... Um, ingrained societal expectation that women would have a certain role to fulfill. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's no such a challenge. You mentioned that you had um, children. Um, yes. And you managed to pick up your career after that and keep going. Um, there's a lot of talk about that's the, that when women have children, that's the point where they lean back um, from leadership. Yes. Um, what was your experience of coming back in coming back in um, well one thing is uh, I, I I have um, my husband um, we we worked it out he knew that education was important for me and he had he had a, a very demanding role as well um, not in education but uh, he would do the morning shift because I'm a morning person and I would do the afternoon shift with the kids picking them up, taking them to sport. But in the mornings, I could leave. I, I'm an early person. I'm an early bird. I would leave early and leave it to him. So that was really good. One of the first times I thought I could be a leader was actually at an IEU conference. Um, the school I was at um, uh, said, oh, there's a women's conference being run by the IOU, does anyone want to go? And I thought, oh, I'll go to that. And that was the first time I remember coming home, it was many years ago, and, and our children would have been in primary school. And I said to my husband, you know what, there are real opportunities here for me, and I think I can do some of those things that they talked about. And um, he said, well, go for it. Um, and uh, and I did. <laughs> so, um, you know, it is a challenge, it is a juggle, but you know, it's a juggle for a few years. Um, and uh, I, if I needed to leave to pick up a child, I would say, look, um, sorry, this meeting has gone on a bit longer, but I really need to leave because um, I have a child waiting for me. Or, you know, it's important that I get, you know, child number X child to the orthodontist, so I can't come to that meeting, but I will please send me the minutes or, I will come um, to the subsequent meeting or some, you know, have a friend at that meeting who can tell me what happened at that meeting. So just making sure it's not because you're not interested, it's because you have other responsibilities at times. Um, so yes, so um, I, I, I do have um, a, a great husband who was a good support, but um, you know, it, it is a bit of a juggle, but you can organise your way around it and most teachers I think are organised. I think that is part of the brief, isn't it, to be organised and to juggle a few things. So um, I think that that helps. And to think what's possible. Don't don't do things that you think, well, I, I've volunteered for this, but I don't think I can do it. Um, really think things through, um, you know, and, and see how can I manage this particular role. I, I liked uh, what you're talking about is um, telling people uh, the limit and letting them accommodate you. I think um, often women limit themselves a little bit by imagining that it won't be okay. Whereas if you do say, I have to go pick up my kid, you know, take it to the orthodontist, yeah. um, people will be, 
Oh, sure. Well, we'll reshuffle this bit. We'll reschedule that. Most people have other commitments in life. They understand that. Um, so the message to take home, I guess, as a woman is um, don't limit yourself. Let other people negotiate around what you need to do as well. I, I think that's true. And I think if you're honest about it, I think people are very accommodating. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I, I do would suggest that just be honest and say look I, I can't be there then or I can only stay till such and such a time um, but also make sure that you they know whoever you're dealing with they know that you are willing to be accommodating as far as you can be rescheduling catching up reading the notes that kind of thing so yes I think uh, it works two ways but you're quite right most people are very understanding if you've got um, other commitments yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is a two-way street, and um, uh, never taking advantage of it is the other part of that whole um, the two-way street. There, um, it, that, if that's you say very you true. Work, find another way to do the work. Yeah. Exactly, that's very true. Don't take advantage of it because you're doing a disservice to all women. Then, <laughs> um, I think, um, and uh, and uh, yeah, never take advantage of it um, is a good thing, but. You don't need to if you're honest. Um, if you're being dodgy and saying, well, I've got an appointment, um, I, I can tell you a funny story. I um, was at um, a school once and one of the, the meeting went a bit over time. It was a staff meeting. I wasn't the principal. I'm not, I was on the executive and one of the women said, look, I have to go. Um, you know, the meeting's over time and I have to go. And she went. And afterwards, the executive said, oh, fancy her walking out, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, she has children. She probably had some child waiting at a bus stop or something, you know. Anyway, the next day, this particular teacher said to me, oh, was anything said about me leaving early and I leaving the meeting? And I said, it was. But, you know, I, I assured people that you had a good reason and, and you probably had a child waiting. She said, actually, she said, I had an appointment to have my eyebrows waxed. <laughs> So I went into bat for her, but, you know, um, I said, well, please don't tell them that. <laughs> Come on, sister. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yes, yeah, so sometimes you, you take on these causes and you get, you know, have this righteous indignation, but it was probably a little bit misplaced. But, I mean, an appointment's an appointment, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is. And we won't get into the whole double standard of how a woman has to look a certain way. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's sometimes best to bite your lip. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh dear. Um, any other areas of challenges facing uh, women in leadership you'd like to address at all? I think, um, I think just be aware that sometimes a male will get promoted and you wonder how they got that job but not let you make that, don't let that make you bitter. Um, don't, don't let that stop you. Um, you might go home and have a little whinge. Well, how did, how did that person get that job? Because I know this and I've, you know, I've seen that person in action. Don't be doing that to your colleagues, even your female colleagues. I would say keep that to yourself. Maybe have one trusted friend that you say you can vent to. But otherwise, you come across as, you know, it's sour grapes and you're bitter and you're, you know, so um, I just trod my own path, path the whole time. Occasionally, I did wonder about those things, like, you know, that person made that quantum leap into that position. Um, but you know what, that's 
that's the system and that's, you know, people make their choices and leaders make their choices for whatever reasons. Don't let that affect you. You can notice it and, uh, but don't let it um, colour your thinking and or colour uh, your career uh, and your career path, you know. We're all doing our own, we all have our own journey and our own path and, you know, that's that's just the way life is, I guess. So, yes, I'd, I'd just say just be careful of that kind of negativity in your own thinking. Uh, that's incredibly important. And to draw on what you said then and what you were talking about, um, the, being the critical friend and the coaching relationship as well, um, not gossiping and not talking too much within education, finding somebody outside or finding yes. just one person is incredibly important. It's, it's so true because... Um, Education is a small world in a lot of ways and uh, I, I think things can, can come back and you might say something in the heat of the moment. Um, so I think, you know, as I said, keep, keep a small group of people that you, that you might talk to about those things um, but keep it very, very small and make sure that, you know, they can be trusted as well. So, yes. But, um, yeah, the, the gossiping, you, you know, yourself in, in any school, a school is just full of gossip amongst the staff, amongst the students, amongst the, um, amongst the parent community and how damaging that is. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not always easy to stay away from it. We all, we all like to have a bit of a chat and a bit of a vent. But, um, yeah, I would just I, I counsel people to, to be very cautious about that. Wonderful. Um, is there any other advice you'd like to pass on to women looking to become teach, uh, leaders? Um, I think be authentic. Um, I think in any uh, in any structure, sometimes you might feel like you have to play the game, if you know what I mean. You have to pay lip service to this, or you you have to agree with that. You know, you can be, you can still be part of a system, but you can still challenge that system. I think, um, I think being authentic and being true to your own principles is really important because people soon see through that if you're not authentic, and I think you yourself don't feel good if you are not being true to yourself. So if there's some program that comes out that's whiz bang and you don't feel that that's right for you, for your school or your class or your, you know, um, politely but assertively express that. Uh, you might still have to do it, but at least you've registered, you know, your um, misgivings. Um, people do, people do appreciate authenticity um, and honesty um, as long as it's done in a respectful, professional manner. So I would say be authentic to yourself, be true to your own principles, but do so um, in, in, as I said, professionally and, and respectfully to others. I think that that would be that my last piece of advice <laughs> that I think uh, I would give to people, to women. That's pretty good, solid advice right there. So thank you. You're most welcome. I want to really thank you for your time today. I know you're incredibly busy and you've got fingers in lots of different things. So I appreciate you um, talking to our audience, which will be right around Australia. And we might have a few um, listens from elsewhere in the world. Who knows? Um, but um, I want to thank you for sharing that because I think the more we share about our practice, 
the more um, inspiration and even just um, support we're offering to other people just by sharing our yeah. stories. Yes, yes. Um, uh, no, it's been a pleasure. Um, and, it, you know, talking about these things also crystallises your own thoughts. So I think it is important for women to have these conversations, um, you know, even, even about how to be in a meeting when it's mainly men or high-powered men, for want of a better word, how to, um, you know, negotiate some of those things and how to present yourself. I think those kind of things uh, are important for women to talk about. So, um, no, it's been, it's been my pleasure, Amy. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity. I've always really enjoyed talking to Margaret Hogan and I really want to thank her for her contribution to this podcast and to the stories that we tell each other about education. We're always on the hunt for great stories about Australian teachers, so if you have a story or know a friend who should be telling us their story, please email us podcasts at tln.org.au or you can contact us on our Facebook page, Educationally Sound. You can contact me via Twitter at Amy Cotton Teach. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. Do you know that Teacher Learning Network has two other podcasts that you can listen to right now? One is TLN Podcasts, which looks at the cutting edge of educational theory and practice in Australia. Another is Rated E for Educational, a podcast where we review films that depict the relationship between teachers and students. Teacher Learning Network is a professional development provider based in Australia. For one flat yearly fee, you can access as much professional development as you like online. There are membership structures for schools and teachers. For more information, go to tln.org.au. See you online. TLN is co-sponsored by the Australian Education Union, Victorian Branch, and the Independent Education Union, Victoria, Tasmanian Branch. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au